Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast and Happy New Year. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Welcome back. Delighted to be back for our first episode of 2021. Before we jump in to our conversation today, I want to thank our sponsors. First off, Lori Bedke and Creighton University. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. Thanks also to Vave Health for sponsoring this episode. Vave believes that personal ultrasound is the future of medicine with an aim to empower both clinicians and patients. From an affordable wireless device to the industry's first all-inclusive upgrade plan to built-in support with Vave Assist, their mission is to move the needle on ultrasound use in every clinical setting. Don't forget to check out their site for details on their free virtual ultrasound educational events, otherwise known as hashtag Vave Educasts. The next one is scheduled for Thursday, January 21st at 3 p.m. Pacific time. You can go to vavehealth.com backslash live for more details or find a link in the show notes. And you can find more information about Vave Health at vavehealth.com. That's V-A-V-E health.com. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Nadia Sanders, and Dr. Sanders is the Distinguished Professor of Supply Chain Management at the Damore McKim School of Business at Northeastern University, and she is also the author of Supply Chain Management, A Global Perspective. She joins us at a critical moment to discuss her area of expertise for which she is known around the world, supply chain management during a pandemic. We are dealing with supply chain issues across COVID-19 testing, across personal protective equipment, and now most importantly and arguably most pressingly around the COVID-19 vaccines. We get into the basics of how supply chains work. What kind of definitions are we talking about? What kinds of questions should we be thinking about How do we look for and resolve bottlenecks and the critical importance of a unified, standardized approach built around the concept of reverse scheduling? This was a fabulous conversation at a really important time. I learned a tremendous amount from Dr. Sanders. It really helped resolve a lot of questions and give a much better strategic understanding of where things are and how they can get better as we move forward in 2021. Before we get to the conversation with Dr. Sanders, please just want to invite everyone to check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can also email me anytime with ideas or comments or thoughts. I welcome all of it. I love interacting with people who are listening to the show or who are new to the show. Mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Explore the spaces on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So wherever you're downloading the show, please do subscribe and please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And as we're kicking off the new year, please make sure you share Explore the Space podcast with your friends and your colleagues and your teammates. That also really helps us out as well. We are starting off the new year with something that is timely and something that is critically important. Dr. Sanders really helps open up this concept 
of supply chains and supply chain management, particularly in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, Dr. Nadia Sanders. Nadia, welcome to Explore the Space podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. What a time to have an expert in supply chain management, in logistics, in moving goods, services, and ideas to people across the United States. And when I say people, I mean all people. There is, in our lifetime, certainly since the Second World War, we have not had a bigger, more imposing and important challenge where we have to understand, discuss, and implement this stuff. So thank you for being flexible and thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's really a shame that we did not know enough about this, that we are almost a year into this pandemic and are still grappling with some of the basic issues because fundamentally, you know, supply chain management was not something that was even a term that was commonplace. I think, and I chuckle, I think so many people just assume that they can maybe press a button on Amazon and things just magically show up, you know? I I think you're absolutely Um, right. That's about as, we certainly don't learn it in the physical or the life sciences. And there's a quote that I learned years ago when I was reading about the civil war and studying history when I was an undergrad, and I'll throw it to you a little bit. And I want you to kind of take it apart and build on it because I feel like right now we all just have an opportunity to take a really high level strategic view and build some shared understanding of what we're talking about as it relates to supply chains, logistics, goods during the COVID-19 pandemic. But the, the saying that I love is the one that says, amateur study tactics, professional study logistics. And I know that it's kind of floated around for years and I've heard it and seen it in several times. It's been re-quoted by everyone from George Marshall to Patton. Here we are now looking down the barrel of this incredible challenge of the COVID-19 pandemic. When I throw that quote to you as an expert, as someone who is a professor of supply chain management, what does that sound and, and feel like to you? Well, I like to expand on it. I have quoted something very similar to my students time and time again. And I have taught literally thousands of students, uh, either undergraduate, seniors, uh, mostly MBA, executive MBA. I've had a lot of physicians. I've, I've just trained a lot of people over the years. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we see is running a business, entrepreneurship and so forth. So the, the quote that I like to use is really more along the lines of ideas are everywhere, but implementation is everything. And, you know, one of the things that I also share with my students is if they've ever watched Shark Tank, the the episodes, Uh, because if you watch Shark Tank, and I have done this, especially during COVID, is if you watch it and pay attention, you realize that it's pretty much the same pattern, right? People show up with an idea. Everybody has a great idea. But the kinds of questions that are posed during Shark Tank were the sharks, if you will, which are the investors, the kinds of questions that they ask, they ask questions that have to do with very specific supply chain management issues. And if you watch it over and over again, you see the same pattern coming up. So you and I can get together um, over a glass of wine. We, you, I'm sure you've done this with your friends. Everybody's done this, you know, where you sit there and you go, hey, wouldn't it be great to have this product? We all have ideas. But if we don't consider the implementation and every aspect of it from uh, the production process to delivery and every aspect, it's not going to happen. And most ideas go nowhere for that very 
reason. And if we backtrack what is happening right now, we see exactly that issue. We saw these incredible feats of science in terms of the vaccine, miraculous. And I can say a lot, and we probably will in this episode, but why are we stuck? We are stuck because we did not apply the basic issues of implementation, of supply chain management, things that we know and have known for decades. So again, ideas are everywhere. We all have them. But as we're coming up with ideas, we have to, at the same time, plan how we're going to execute. And so to make it even more complicated, we have three buckets that need ideas and that need implementation and execution from, like you said, right, from fabrication all the way up to distribution and then end user implementation. The COVID-19 vaccine. Yes. Personal protective equipment and testing for the COVID-19 pathogen. We have all three of these kind of spinning at the same time. It, it, I think that maybe that's part of what makes it feel overwhelming, that it's great to generate the ideas, but to really get down and get granular and move through those steps, especially if you aren't trained, is really hard. Well, here's the, here's the the particularly frustrating part is that uh, we had issues with the with PPE last spring. Right. Uh, Hand sanitizer, all of it. Uh, Those products are relatively simple. You know, if you look at, you know, you can leave PPE on a tarmac, right? It's not going to go bad. It's what we call a bill of materials is actually really simple. That's actually what goes into it. Then we got a little bit more complicated with the test kits. And we saw all the issues and the various problems that are very typical with supply chains. There are always bottlenecks. That's just part in the nature. So we saw things with like, okay, there's a shortage of swabs or reagents. Uh, That is the nature of managing uh, this flow, if you will. But now we are dealing with vaccines and the order of magnitude of complexity is staggering. As you go from PPE to the test kits and now the vaccines. But what we've done is really applied the same approach. We haven't really learned. It's staggering to me. It was staggering to see it with PPE uh, as a supply chain professional who, by the way, I work with corporations across the world. I mean, this is not it really isn't rocket science. I mean, we know some of the basic stuff. We didn't apply it to PPE. And oops, uh, we did the same thing with the test kits. And hmm, we haven't even learned our lesson now with a biologic, with a cold chain that is like so much more complicated. And everything rests on this. To go from a vaccine to a vaccination is staggering. And to just kind of backtrack to the quote that you had mentioned earlier, one of the things that I want to differentiate, which I think is really important, is the terminology between logistics and supply chain management. That's really important. So when I look at a supply chain, A supply chain is a system of flows. Just think of fluids, you know, uh, moving. And, uh, you know, the one end, you have the point of demand. Uh, In sales, it could be the grocery store, the retail store. In this case, when we're talking about vaccines, we are talking about uh, the point of delivery of the vaccine and all the things that have to come together there. And part of that aspect, if we can call it under the rubric, 
if you will, of marketing. Sometimes it's called demand management, but there's so many things that go into it from communication and ensuring that people are confident to scheduling and making sure that that's done properly. And then you have on the other end of the supply chain, if you will, is you have sourcing or purchasing, whether it be the various components that go into the production process. There's a manufacturing process that go into the vaccine itself. So you have sourcing and then you have the operations itself. And then the movement is the logistics. So supply chain management is managing all of these pieces together. And I think if we just look at movement alone, this this is where we, well, we haven't done that either, but we need to look at all the pieces together. And that's why the flow is so important. So in business, you might say, well, okay, this is the product that say sneakers that Nike wants to sell. This is the volume that they want to sell. And then you work what we say up the supply chain, if you will, to make sure that we have everything that we need all the way from the suppliers going into the production process and so forth. With the vaccines, it may be something like we might say, well, we want to vaccinate 10,000 residents per day in a particular locale. How do we backtrack and what does that mean? And you literally map out the entire flow, uh, including scheduling and capacity and always keeping in mind that bottlenecks are just simply a part of managing this supply chain. So it needs to be done in real time. It's not something that is static, that you just go, oops, we did this. So what really should have happened is we should have had all this done in parallel while the vaccine was being developed. And then we're, you know, going through real time, being able to solve the various bottlenecks that will inevitably occur. They're going to occur. I mean, that's just part of the supply chain. But we need to respond because otherwise what we're going to have is um, so where we're sitting today, we know we're looking at what, like roughly 14 million vaccines were told were distributed. And we've only managed what I think like as of today, 4.2 million uh, have been vaccinated. So what's going on with the other 10 million, (laughs) you know, and and you're also dealing with something that has a shelf life. So, you know, when we look at what's called a cold chain, so there's the supply chain, but then there is the cold chain. So even in dairy, like which would be a cold chain, even that's more complicated. But in this case, we essentially have two chains because the handling of both the Pfizer and Moderna are slightly different because of the level of refrigeration required and handling. So there are complexities in training and there's a reason we call this an end-to-end supply chain when you're managing it. You need to manage all the aspects in concerts and we needed to do that with PPE. We didn't do it. We needed to do it with the um, test kits. We didn't do it and we're not doing it now. And genuinely, I'm really concerned, Mark, because I'm a citizen too. I want to get vaccinated. I'm talking to physicians all the time. The lack of coordination is staggering. The fact that we don't have this this scheduling system in place at the point of delivery and care is just staggering to me. And then it propagates all the way up that entire supply chain. There's a couple of things that I take away from all of that. 
just again, taking that strategic view, one is, as you said, extraordinary complexity. The next is a need for some standardization and easy, easy to replicate steps that can be followed. Then I acknowledge it's going to be incredibly expensive. It's going to be a massive undertaking that will need to last and be durable and be funded properly. And then there's the import. We're doing this to save lives in a pandemic. And the goal is to vaccinate greater than 80% of the 331 million people that live in the United States and to do it fast. Putting those things, putting those as like the, the planets that are in orbit, those major challenges, it feels like just to set context. This is the context that I set and I, I, I'm dying to hear your take on it. This is the biggest public health undertaking. This is the biggest national need since the end of hostilities in the Second World War. There's nothing that's come close, in my opinion. And to drive that and to get the success that we need, to get the outcomes that we need to save lives and to get needles in shoulders and to get test kits in hands and to get PPE on on bodies... It's got to be coordinated at the level of the federal government. It cannot be done ad hoc at the state and local and community level. It must be coordinated by the federal government. I'm going to stop there. Does that assertion make sense that this must have federal coordination, funding, implementation? Mark, absolutely, 100%. Uh, that is uh, having this patchwork approach. We had a patchwork approach with PPE. We had a patchwork approach with test kits. And I remember using that word over and over in the interviews I had totally, given. Totally, This. The fact is our physicians, our healthcare professionals are really being burned down. And it really isn't fair. And and I have to just kind of a side note, I'm gonna come back to what you to what you had asked, but forgive me, as somebody who I come from uh, a family of everybody in my family is in healthcare other than me. You know, my mother to this day says, Oh, you know, she does something in business, you know, like <laughs> this, this thing, right? Right. And so uh, but one of the things that I've I I have seen firsthand over and over how hard healthcare professionals work. And I do get frustrated. I get, I get defensive uh, because I see, I see the gains that an MBA graduating, how quickly they begin to, to make money. And I see how hard healthcare professionals work uh, in order to get to a point where uh, they are making, you know, what, what I would consider a good wage. And I think it's kind of unfair and it really makes me angry. Uh, and I'm seeing it now all the burden has been put on these healthcare professionals that, you know, at every level, uh, what we needed, and and we saw this, you know, I knew this was going to happen. I talked about this months ago. We needed, um, uh, we needed, first of all, unifying playbook, if you will, for all the states so that parameters were set across the states. And we needed financial help and physical help. Financial help, absolutely essential. But also physical help, uh, establishing targets, um, using the National Guard for things that uh, that they could do. So, for example, they could potentially do testing, whereas you need healthcare professionals in order to administer the vaccine. Um, healthcare frontline professionals are just taxed across the board, and we're going to see more and more pockets of breakouts of illness. They need PPE. They're on the front line. So what we needed to do is re 
really get broad training, uh, financial help, and then also to recruit vaccinators, if you will, whether they be retired healthcare workers, uh, whether they be nursing and, 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 and dental students. So basically, we need help across every level. What is happening with no parameters, no standards is is so gross mismanagement. I can tell you in business, in the corporate sector, again, the wording is transparency, visibility. You know, th- these are terms that we've used over and over in the corporate sector, end-to-end supply chain. But the idea that one entity would do their part and not coordinate with the other entities of the supply chain is just simply violates the fundamental rules of supply chain management. We know that we need transparency. We need coordination. So when we look at how you run a supply chain, you have to run it because you have you need to have visibility and you need to have transparency and communication. So each entity works with each other. And it's sort of, you know, you communicate what we call downstream and upstream. So in this case, you would have communication from the federal government with Pfizer, with the transporters, all the way to the local levels and then back up the chain. And then it needs to be done in real time because there's a lot of things that are going on and the problems, um, the challenges that are going to occur that have occurred and just this is part of it, they're going to be different at the point of delivery, whether you're in, say, rural Nebraska versus if you're in downtown Atlanta. It's going to be very, very different. I've heard arguments being made, well, you know, one size doesn't fit all. So, you know, we just have to leave it up to the states. Well, it doesn't work that way because it's very easy to create archetypes uh, or clusters of similar locations. Uh, Certain rural areas are going to be similar. Certain urban areas are going to similar. You set parameters for those. You invoke a whole host of other entities and you give them money. So you use uh, 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 these groups for their capabilities and their advantage. You know, there are so many things that rest on this. Uh, I think that this is probably an extremely dangerous time and everything is resting on this vaccination. The economy, certainly, uh, the sooner that we get to herd immunity, uh, the sooner we can get the, you know, our lives back to normal. But also all the epidemiologists tell me, but we have a race against the virus. If we are very slow, I've heard this multiple times. I heard it last week. I heard it over the weekend. If we take our, you know, good old sweet time and and just take forever, well, the virus is going to mutate against the vaccine. So we are fighting against the virus. We're fighting against time. And the fact that we do not have a plan from the federal government is just unbelievable to me. And I think the consequences are potentially extremely dire. Again, from everything from the economy all the way through every aspect of our lives. And it's really unfortunate, again, because what should have happened is, again, a playbook, communication, monies that are allocated, and coordination. So where you have the federal government working in tandem with state governments and local officials, because what a supply chain requires, Mark, 
is coordination, what I say both horizontally and vertically. Horizontally is, I had mentioned to you from, you know, purchasing suppliers, manufacturing, distribution. In this case, it's going to be FedEx, UPS, things like that, to the various distribution centers that are disseminating the vaccine and so forth. So you've got that horizontal, but then you also have vertical when you start to go from a strategic viewpoint all the way to a very tactical, uh, nitty gritty uh, scheduling, bottlenecks, you know, how large is the refrigeration that we have? Who is monitoring the shelf life of these products? What kind of inventory control is there? So you have to have, uh, again, both uh, horizontal and vertical communication. This requires resources. The part that is particularly frustrating is this technology is there. You know, I, I remember uh, in December, so it would have been just a little over a year ago, like right before the pandemic, it might have been early January a year ago, you know, working with some large corporations um, in different sectors electronics and things like that. And what is very common, the kinds of technological capabilities that we have to monitor the supply chain, we have something that's called a supply chain control tower. And it's pretty awesome because it allows us, you know, almost like a war room where you can actually uh, visualize an executive, um, you know, administrator can visualize the supply chain and, you know, color code to see where the bottlenecks are emerging with suppliers and the production process, what's happening with distribution and so forth. We have algorithms that can monitor the end-to-end supply chain and they could warn us and tell us when a problem is emerging, how to deal with it, how to to reshuffle and when to reshuffle supply. So, you know, even now, as we're talking about the vaccines uh, sitting in warehouses, who's monitoring that shelf life and maybe the ability to vaccinate in one locale uh, might be better than another. So we might need to move vaccines. That is all part of the capability that uh, corporations have had for years. So this is nothing new. Yet we're not talking about any of this. We're not monitoring a precious product that can completely change everyone's life. But instead, uh, and you might have everybody seen this, right? I, I saw the you know the the people over sixty five in Florida lining up in the richest country in the world, in the United States, all night long waiting to get the vaccine. Are you kidding me? This technology is there. We just have not put in the resources. And we should have done that months ago and then just simply refined as we are we are moving forward. It feels like one of the tools that we have that's going to be an asset because obviously we will have lots of time to pick over the debris from this last year and to learn from it. But we have to do that. The, the getting better part quickly is that we will have a new administration that has already said in the transition period what its intentions are and that it will manifest a different approach. So as we're looking kind of in that forward facing thing, what would be for you one, two, or maybe three top priority things that need to happen quickly because we know, right, that herd immunity is somewhere on the order of 250 to 270 million Americans That's right. with needles in their shoulder. 
potentially twice because you have to get the vaccines to, you know, three weeks apart. What would be the things that you would like to see happen quickly, acknowledging that for right now, all of the things that you've listed, we've seen no interest in the current administration fixing, but we will hopefully have rapid change soon. What would be your what would be the top of your list? So top of my list is to do what we call backwards scheduling. (laughs) Is that it's actually a a term. Uh, Basically, we decide at the at the point of care, you know, what is the goal? How many vaccinations we want to do, say, per day, per week? And and all of those are important, by the way. We do, like in, in business, we'll say per day, we'll say also per week, because one kind of rolls into the other, uh, and you have to manage those. I would like to see set targets like that, and then to work backwards to ensure that all the resources are in place at every point and have all of that mapped out. We have the technological capability, the analytics capability to be able to map out this complex supply chain and then have experts monitor it so we can see where the shortages are. I don't believe that anybody has done that. But if I'm able to map it out, I can then right off the bat see where the potential bottlenecks are. If I can monitor those in real time, right, as things go from, you know, a mild shortage to, hey, getting into a possibly bigger shortage, I can immediately make sure that I have alternative sources of distribution, supply, and so forth. So I would like to see that done immediately. Again, what is the goal? And then to work backwards, have this completely mapped out uh, in terms of capacity. Capacity is in terms of the volume. It's in terms of time. It's in terms of skill and making sure that who's ever monitoring this can see it end to end. This whole thing of each entity kind of does their own thing. That is, you know, Mark, it ain't going to work. Okay, right, right. It is not, It's not going to cut it. So that's what they need to do. They actually need to see this entire pipeline, this entire system, and then see where, you know, where the smaller veins are, you know, and then be able to, you know, where's the tightness and where do we have to expand and monitor this in real time and be proactive? That is what is needed. And again, it has to start from what is the end goal and work backwards, throw resources at it. You cannot put this on the backs of healthcare workers. You absolutely cannot. And that is what is being done right now. And part of that, you know, when you look at the point of care, uh, the point of delivery of the vaccine, just that point alone, uh, and you had mentioned this at the onset, you need or one needs uh, not just the vaccine. And, and we need a vaccine, by the way, that has product integrity, which is, by the way, a big deal, because we've seen that in cold chains across the board, whether even something relatively ben, um, benign like dairy or cheese, you know, where somewhere along the way, maybe the refrigeration wasn't quite you know, so true to what it should have been. But hey, who's going to know, right? So we have to make sure that that integrity is there. Then at the point of delivery, you need to have a trained person. Um, You need to have PPE. You have to make sure that that a schedule is in place. So let's say that collectively takes seven minutes to administer a vaccine. You know, what is that schedule going to be like? Who's monitoring that inventory? And then also keeping up an updated schedule to remind the patient to come back and get the second dose, keeping in mind that this is happening on a rolling basis. And then you work from there 
all the way up the entire supply chain uh, and do that backward scheduling where you see that entire pipeline and you could visually see it, you can numerically see it, and you could have the system inform you uh, anytime we begin to breach or get close to breaching any kind of a you know bottleneck. What, what interests me about that idea is that putting that in juxtaposition with you know the the breathless news cycle, everyone's sense of anticipation that when those bottlenecks come, first of all, it sounds like slowing. Right, just like any kind of fluid dynamics, there will be times of slowing. It's going to happen. It's important, I think, that we give people a sense of understanding of what does that look like and how does it get fixed so that in two months when the the headlines across social media and the trending hashtags on Twitter and everything is that something is slowing down, that people understand that happens and this is how it is addressed. How do you what do you expect to be a place that will you will see a slowdown or a bottleneck and how will it get ameliorated? It's a great question. And um, as you were asking me, I was thinking about the fact that this is, you know, obviously a current issue right now, but supply chain management is everywhere. Every time you have any kind of flow. So, you know, I have worked, uh, you know, earlier pre-pandemic on the flow of the flu vaccine and we do forecasting and then we do distribution and, and, and so forth. So the kind of lessons that we learn are going to be with us forever. And I'm hoping that we we can learn them better. Now, where are the bottlenecks going to occur? It's it's really hard to say because I think the bottlenecks are going to vary based upon locale. I think they're going to certainly vary, again, if you're looking at rural versus urban. Uh, they're going to occur with regard to, could be with regard to the transport. The thing about bottlenecks is they always happen. That's just part of it. You know, it could be where there is... <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but it could be an outbreak over the coming months where suddenly, you know, we see a a cluster of medical personnel that have been infected that maybe cannot come to work. We have a shortage because we haven't prepared for that. Uh, It could be a a shipment or in transport that hasn't been able to be delivered because there was a truck breaking down. I mean, it happens all the time. And so we have all these pieces. Uh, The reality of it is, is that uh, we will have these bottlenecks. And that's why if you can have this, if you can envision like a war room, if you will, with this giant screen, right, of this fluid mechanics, I actually have an undergraduate in engineering and fluid mechanics. So, you know, I see everything in my mind in terms of flow. Um, All the cardiologists that are listening are like reaching up and clapping right now. No, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. And so that is really the way to visualize it. And just like you would see uh, a clot, that is exactly what this is. Will it occur? Of course it will, because there's always, you know, some kind of narrowing that is happening in an artery. That's just how life is. If you were to map out, you know, all the blood flow, there would be a narrowest point. There always is by definition. The same is true in supply chain management. There is always a bottleneck. Uh, there's actually something, it's called theory of constraints, uh, which actually has been around for a long time. And your listeners don't need to know all the details. But, you know, as I mentioned at the onset, Mark, all this stuff is like, it is something that we know, we've known for decades. Theory of constraints tells us how to manage bottlenecks. And it tells us there will always be 
a bottleneck. There will always be one. So we have to watch it. And once we resolve one, uh, another one will emerge. That right. is part of it. That's why we have to see the end to end, monitor it, making sure that there is this flow. But the objective is to know at that very end, what is the goal of vaccinations? Uh, not vaccines, but vaccinations. Right, and right. how will that happen? What are the things then acknowledging that for the last couple of weeks since the vaccine, right, there was that first initial wave of excitement. And now the the sort of the tone of the new cycle is there's problems and it's slow and we're nowhere close to targets and it's disorganized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As somebody who has expertise in all of these different parts of the supply chain and how they work, in your experience, there's also a, a, an opportunity or maybe even a requirement, a, a, a need for some service recovery that the consumer's confidence in this, right, the consumer's being Americans who are waiting for their vaccination is damaged, is is lessened somehow. What would you suggest are the key things to be done so that as all of these things happen, and, and hopefully that they do in terms of building out that infrastructure, that in parallel, steps are taken so that people know, hey, there's a hand at the wheel, there's a process in place, this is going to work, it's safe, we, we can get to herd immunity, we can do it quickly. What are the ways to sort of almost market that hard work that needs to be done so that the consumer confidence is rebuilt? It's a great question. Um, And if you remember at the onset, I was saying I look at the supply chain as all these pieces from marketing on the one end all the way to purchasing at the other end and then operations and then transportation logistics in between. And analogous to, say, marketing that you would see, say, in the retail sector, uh, the messaging is absolutely uh, really important. And all of these things have to be done in concert. And it's exactly what you you have said to me. And, you know, by, by background in my own career, I'm an engineer, undergraduate, and then my work and so forth has really been in, in very quantitative areas in operations, research, supply chain, and so forth. And when I was much younger, I used to say, you know, what is marketing, right? I just sell. And it has taken me uh, years to discover the absolute criticality of marketing and messaging. And I remember when I was a doctoral student seeing, uh, I saw a saying, a quote, which I thought was really kind of funny. A business not having marketing is like uh, winking at a girl in the dark. Only you know that you're doing it. That always really, really struck me as funny because, you know, it's like we can have this great vaccine, but if people don't have the confidence, if they don't know, you know, what it is going to do for them, uh, I do think we absolutely need to get the word out. We need to get the messaging. It needs to be done, uh, you know, through this whole process. I am optimistic, however, that as more and more people are getting the vaccine, people of high profile, visibility. Uh, I think that confidence is going to uh, going to rev up. The current messaging with the confusion is not helping. Seeing the long lines of senior citizens in Florida waiting all night. That's for not the helpful. Yeah, it that's, is not helpful. It's not good. You know, I mean, it is just it's just mind boggling. It is depressing and it's frightening. And it goes back to what you had said, the wording you used, that there is someone at the wheel. Uh, I am very optimistic. I'm hopeful that with the new administration, that they will come in with these definite goals. Because what's going to happen if they come in and then we have this consistent, regular messaging from the administration, from the CDC, from 
everybody in this unified area, uh, that is going to make the huge difference. One of the things I've done over the years is I've actually done crisis management training for um, for certain hospital networks uh, well before the pandemic. And one of the things that we talk about is the importance of consistent messaging during a crisis. We are in a crisis right now, and it applies to every entity during a crisis, and it applies to us as a nation. We need consistent messaging everybody on the same page. And we haven't had that. So the result is this massive confusion, lack of trust, uh, the birth of all these conspiracy theories when you have this vacuum of information. So I think um, I think what, what, what I'm hoping is that with the new administration that we will have a consistent, regular uh, messaging across the board. I think that is going to uh, give confidence. And that is, as you mentioned, very much a part of this. And that's analogous to that marketing piece of supply chain management that is so critical. We are tackling a generational challenge, a multi-generational challenge. And everyone is talking about terms like supply chains and logistics. And the majority of us have little to no background or training. And so for you to come and at least start the conversations correctly, define the terms, set the context for us, it's just critically important. And I think also giving us that sense of, look, what's happened has happened. It's not been anywhere close to what we wanted. It's been on many levels, absolutely catastrophic, but we have to be forward facing. And where is the sense of optimism and all of those things I think are just extraordinarily helpful. So I'm grateful for you for sharing all that with us as things move forward and people want to follow along and obviously finding experts such as yourselves on such critical information. Where do people find you? How do people follow along with what you're seeing and what your insights are as we move through 2021? Thank you, Mark. Thank you for asking, because this is really, really critical and it's not going to go away uh, even post pandemic. And we will get through this. Uh, I am optimistic, but the medical area alone uh, is wrestling and is going to wrestle with various future pandemics, whether uh, it's medication of any kind, whether it's the flow of patients, this is all supply chain management. So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, they can look me up at Northeastern University. I'm at the DeMore McKim School of Business and easily get my contact information. And I, I respond. I respond to everybody. And I would, I would love to hear from anybody who's interested. And you're on Twitter as well, right? I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty new to Twitter. I'm sort of this, um, you know, academic nerd. There's so much noise. So I actually just started very recently. But uh, you know what? I have to tell you, I, I have become really passionate during this issue. I have uh, I've tried uh, over the years to just sort of stay out of, you know, this political fray and to stay out of this. But I've actually been angry. I've been angry. And suddenly I found myself on Twitter and I'm moving to become much more vocal. And I'm angry because this should not be, Mark. This should not be, and it is unfair. It is unfair to the healthcare workers, frontline workers of every type. It is unfair to all of us, and it doesn't have to be. So suddenly I have just found this, this real passion to say, hey, come on, this, we know this stuff. We know how to run this. We should not be in this position right now. Well, that's wonderful to hear, and I think that we will all have the opportunity to move forward to better days together. We'll have links to all of your contacts as well in the show notes. Nadia, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to watch all of this together. We're going to experience all of this together. But for you to kind of start the year off and, and help set this insight is just critically important and much appreciated. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Mark. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you.
My thanks once again to Dr. Sanders for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. And thanks once again to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's executive MBA and executive fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thanks also to Vave Health for sponsoring this episode. That's Vave with a V. Don't forget to check out their site for details on their free virtual ultrasound educational events, otherwise known as hashtag Vave Educasts. The next one is scheduled for Thursday, January 21st at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can go to vavehealth.com backslash live for more details or find a link in the show notes. We are kicking off 2021 with a bang. We're going to have lots more great content coming in the month of January and throughout the year. Please share the show with your friends. Please subscribe wherever you'd like to download your shows. Please do reach out to me on social media at ETS Show. Please check out the website for Explore the Space Podcast, www.explorethespaceshow.com. And as we move forward into this challenging, difficult, extraordinary time, remember the fundamentals. Wear your mask, maintain physical distancing. Avoid crowded indoor spaces. Wash your hands. Take care of yourselves. We will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.